Subscribe with iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. And if you enjoy what you hear, like us on Facebook. Also, consider throwing a little cash our way by visiting patreon.com slash koreafm. And find more of our great content on our home on the web, koreafm.net. Former South Korean President Park Geun-hye's presidential career began and ended with firsts. The ROK's first female president also eventually became its first democratically elected leader to be impeached, followed by jailed and now indicted, as the news has just broke that authorities have formally indicted ex-president Park on charges of collecting or demanding $52 million in bribes. Of course, countless reports and other pieces of journalism have been done on the protest, the surprisingly affirmative vote by lawmakers for impeachment, and then, of course, the eventual 8-0 decision by the Constitutional Court to uphold that vote and then permanently remove Pak and Hay from power. However, one recent piece from the Canadian weekly affairs magazine Maclean's uses the example of the rise and fall of ex-president Park to make the case that South Korean youth and the forces they control are perhaps behind it all, with the title, In South Korea, the Young Rise Up Against a President and a Society, what the uprising against now-removed President Park Geun-hye reveals about the forces felt by South Korea's young. I'm joined now by Dave Hazan, a writer formerly based in South Korea, to discuss his article and what it reveals about the power of South Korea's youth. So, Dave, great to have you back on the program. Just to get the facts out there, let's start with a very basic summary of the scandal that brought down Park and Hay, and then we can move into the role of South Korea's youth during those weeks that thrust the South Korean country into the world in a way that is often not the case, because it's usually there because of its relationship with North Korea. This was a lot of firsts. So let's kind of just talk about the scandal itself and then move into the theme of your article for McLean's. Yeah, okay. Well, I think most people have the basic, uh, know the basic details, but Park Geun-hye was the first uh, democratically elected president to be impeached in Korea. Um, indeed, indeed, I believe she was the first to just be impeached by by uh, um, uh, the National Assembly generally. But uh, yeah, so she they, were, they got the two-thirds majority necessary, and then uh, the Constitutional Court held it up. What was incredible about that, I thought, was that all uh, eight judges were appointed either by Pak herself or by uh, Im Young-bak, her um, predecessor, who was also quite conservative. Uh, he was, she was arrested soon after, more in a uh, preventative arrest because she hadn't actually been indicted. Um, and then, of course, today she was indicted. So uh, we know that. And then there's a, the election is coming up, I believe, uh, the 8th of May. And so you began your article from McLean's with the lines, young Koreans have been given a civics lesson they're likely to carry with them to their graves. It is possible, no matter how bad the odds seem, to topple a corrupt and abusive president. However, it's interesting because while many young South Koreans may feel disenfranchised and powerless due to you know constant pressure from school and other responsibilities, this is kind of the story that makes it out of the ROK quite often. To students of South Korean history, this revolt of the young shouldn't really be a huge surprise. This is something you talk about in your article. Could you talk about how these two themes now compete in contemporary South Korea? It seems that you sort of make the case that they're actually just different sections of this kind of same loop that goes back decades and really just influences the other end 
into what you call a culmination of social and historical forces that have led us where we are today? Well, yeah, I mean, the uh, I suppose like in many places, it's the young people who tend to uh, force change. And um, anyone who's examined Korean history can see it. Um, I, I began with the uh, overthrow of Syngman Rhee in uh, 1960. He was South Korea's first president, and he was a pretty uh, miserable guy. Um, but even actually before then, if you go to uh, the revolution of 1919 against the Japanese occupation, um, the uh, many of the people who fought that were uh, quite young uh, students. Um, I've forgotten the name of her now, but the uh, classic martyr that everyone's taught about, uh, every South Korean kid has taught about a history class, um, was only 17 years old, I think. So there was Syngman Rhee in 60. And then there were, I mean, plenty of attempted uh, revolutions throughout, right up until uh, uh, the 80s. And they were all led by young people. Um, Pak Chung-hee, President Pak Geun-hye's um, father, uh, was largely after students, was largely going after young people. I mean, he would have laws on how long your hair could be in the 60s and 70s in order to be able to crack down on young people. Uh, marijuana law was introduced in the 1970s specifically to crack down on young people. Um, and then, of course, it was the young people who were uh, largely killed in Gwangju during the uprising in 1980. And then in 1987, when they finally um, managed to overthrow Chunduan, it, it was young people again. Um, it's interesting talking to when you talk to middle-aged Koreans now. Um, they'll often um, reminisce back about the revolutions that they participated in uh, as young people. Yeah. So I mean, in hindsight, this scandal involving now ex-president indicted. Ex-President Park Geun-hye, her close confidant, and also a very powerful South Korean conglomerates known here as Chaebols, it really does seem like the perfect cause for youth to fight against. I mean, the young in any country are often fed up with the government. But in South Korea, uh, the other side of this, many young students are working harder and harder each year to prepare for a job at one of these said large companies. But now it just seems to be more and more the case, and young people are realizing this is the case, that these jobs that they're hoping to get for these giant conglomerates just aren't waiting there for them. And this leaves young Koreans in the world of Hell Chosun, which is now a commonly known term that you also referenced in your article. So let's talk about that phenomena. I think the idea is that being young in South Korea now has become intolerable. It has been, it, it used to be that you would put in these wretched hours studying for your university exam getting into the right university, battling your way to get the right job. And then once you get that job, you know, working 14, 15, 16 hours a day um, for, uh, for one of these companies. But at least, you know, in the end, it was a feeling that you made enough money or at least you were able to support your family or you were helping the country grow or something like this. Recently, it just seems that they're putting in these hours, they're working hard, these kids are working harder and harder and harder. And the reward at the end is just not there. Um, it's not just that these chaebol aren't hiring as much, although, I mean, that's a big factor. It's that more and more Koreans are just wishing, like, well, why do I have to work for one of these enormous corporations? I mean, there's got to be other options out there. Um, their parents often say, well, no, there isn't any option. And furthermore, do you know how much money I put into your education? You're going to work at Samsung, but then, you know, again, the job's not there. Uh, there was an issue... Um, there was an article that was posted recently 
encouraging young people to have simpler marriages, for example. You know, young people in Korea just aren't getting married. They're marrying later and later and later, sometimes in their late 30s, early 40s. Well, have a simpler marriage, they argue. Well, that's fine, but the problem is, is often the parents see it as a massive lack of face or a, uh, almost a betrayal of uh, all the effort they put into their kids to have a small wedding. Um, and so kids, are, and I mean, that's just one example. The kids in Korea, when I say kids, I mean basically anyone under 40, are just getting increasingly and increasingly pissed off. And to the point where, if you had told me this would happen 10 years ago, that, the, that they would mobilize like this to overthrow a president, I wouldn't necessarily believed it. But now I absolutely believe it. And I think anyone who spends a lot of time in Korea now believes it because things have just gotten so bad. And uh, the kids are just sick of it. They've just had it. Um, not just with the president, but with the whole system that she represents. You just said mobilize. Let's talk about some of the mobilization efforts that in all fairness involve people of all ages, but you know, yeah. heavily driven, as you pointed out, by youth as well. Um, people probably saw this reported internationally. You know, there were some demonstrations that were hundreds of thousands. I saw, you know, one or two million thrown out there at some of the bigger events. But this was constant every weekend for weeks on end. Could you kind of weave that story? Sure. I mean, it's it's notoriously difficult to uh, count um, how many people attend a demonstration. Um, the police will give one number, and then the organizers will give another. But certainly, there were more than a million. Uh, several times. I should stress, I wasn't actually in Korea at the time. I've been monitoring this from abroad. Um, but from all my sources who are there and from everything I saw, it was an enormous, enormous demonstrations, in some cases, at least one and a half million. It wasn't one and a half million every night, but certainly every Saturday night, again and again and again and again and again. And I think what was actually amazing about these is they were actually quite peaceful. Very few people were arrested. I don't think, in fact, if I remember right, no one was arrested. Um, and uh, the pressure was, I, I think, was simply too much for many of the uh, uh, politicians. Um, it was a mobilization of young people largely, but of course there are all sorts of labor leaders and uh, left-wing groups and liberal groups who uh, helped out, some of whom could be considerably older. But the idea of seeing high school students uh, out night after night was, uh, or at least weekend after weekend was quite heartening. And then before we wrap things up, I guess to, to play devil's advocate here, um, in all fairness to former now jailed and officially indicted ex-president Park, you know, it goes without saying that she did have in the past and even now some support. Um, you don't get elected in a democracy without support. So could you talk about who did end up supporting Park Geun-hye. As you mentioned, it obviously probably had a lot to do with her father, who is a former leader of South Korea. And he was assassinated while he was in office. I mean, she herself, forget the scandal now, it's such an interesting story dealing with her and her family. Yeah, for sure. Um, look, Park Geun-hye is quite a tragic figure. I mean, I don't know anything about her. I know very little, at least, about her personally. Um, but certainly she lost her mother, both her parents to assassins, uh, her mom in, uh, the seven, uh, 74, I think, to a North Korean, and then her father to his own intelligence chief um, when he was president. Uh, she never married. Um, she sort of considered herself almost like a nun uh, married to the country. And um, despite the fact she was a woman, um, she had enormous um, support from older Koreans who look upon the Park Chung-hee um, 
the 19-year Park Chung-hee regime as really a golden age for South Korea in the sense that it was growing massively. Um, many credit uh, Park himself for this uh, um, for this massive growth. I personally think his own role in it was a, is a is overstated, but that's for the historians to argue. Um, so he was so she 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 was elected largely with this um, uh, this grassroots support from elderly people. Let's also remember though that she cheated, and that there was the Twitter scandal that um, the uh, NIS, the National Intelligence Service, sent out tens of thousands of tweets to try to get people to come out and vote for her. There were um, other um, uh, discrepancies in the polls, things like that. Now, whether she would have won anyway, I don't know. What we do know now is that she is extremely unpopular. Um, we have seen a few protesters, uh, very few, coming out and saying that she um, uh, that she didn't deserve this or that she's innocent or whatnot. These are a tiny minority. Among over 65 citizens over the age of 65 in Korea, which there are more and more all the time, 50% thought she should be impeached. Okay, and that doesn't, so 50% thought she should be impeached. The other 50% either thought she shouldn't be or were on the fence about it. Um, now, of course, this doesn't even remotely look at what it is for the under 30s, who it was I don't, 90% or something very similar, 95% who wanted her impeached. So she is monumentally unpopular. I don't think she would have been impeached otherwise. And then finally, you finished your piece in McLean's with the lines, whatever happens, South Korea's political scene will never be the same again. It's true. The Chaebol remain all powerful. The old continue to outgrow the young. And memorizing facts for tests is still seen as a primary job of every young person. But the young are now armed with the knowledge that they can, if they put the effort in, overthrow a president. So... Finally, Dave Hazan, what does that mean in your mind for the future of South Korea? Is it simple? Is it as simple as saying future presidents? You know, we're having the special election here um, pretty quickly. Future presidents don't cross the young, or is it still going to have to be some momentous scandal? I mean, Pak and hey, everything that you just said about her um, being the case. It's hard to imagine that things would have gone this way had it not been for this specific scandal, which you could talk about for for hours. It's it's a very weird, long-lasting, it's it involves relationships with her parents and the parents of her confidant and all these chaebols. This was quite a scandal to happen. Um, I'm guessing something like this wouldn't just happen again in the next couple of years. So what does this mean for the future of South Korea? Okay, well, first I'd say is that this is quite a scandal. It's a monumental scandal. But I think that she would not have been impeached had there not been four years of misrule coming out of the Blue House. So um, it, I believe that it was a culmination of things. I didn't mention this in my article, but certainly people are still angry over Sewol, uh, and people are still angry over a lot of other uh, issues. Her assuming of uh, her closing down of the media, her shutting down of uh, small parties, things like this. I think this was all contributed to it. Um, what I think it says for the future is my hope uh, is that young people have been politicized as previous um, uh, young people had when they overthrew the dictatorship in 87. I think we'd had a, we've had a generation of young people who, on the surface at least, seemed a lot more concerned about 
you know, their cell phones and um, the, the things that young people are usually concerned about and less about politics. Um, now, this is normal in any in any society, um, especially once it becomes wealthy. But I think now they've been politicized and I think that they've come to realize that if they organize, they don't need to put up with um, being treated like dirt. And I think this is the biggest problem with South Korea, with South Korea now is that they're treating their kid, their young people. And again, young people using anyone under 40, just like dirt. And now they realize that they don't have to put up with it and they can fight back, whether it's a president, whether it's at school, whether it's uh, with the companies, I don't know. But I think we're looking forward to some huge changes in the next 10 years in South Korea. Right. I mean, it goes without saying there, there's so many issues in South Korea right now connected to Korean youth. I mean, we already mentioned um, the problems with marriage, people waiting longer, wanting to have a simpler marriage, but um, parents wanting perhaps something different in their mind. Um, uh, along that same topic, the birth rate in South Korea is very, very low. Um, there are just so many things going on right now. Um, elder Koreans are increasing in numbers. Um, there's less young Koreans nowadays than there were in the past. So schools are closing down, things like that. So it'll definitely be interesting to see where South Korea goes in the future. Of course, I've been speaking with uh, Dave Hazan. He's a freelance writer formerly based in South Korea. And uh, Dave, best of luck with your continued writing uh, now that you're outside of the Korean Peninsula. Thanks a lot, Chance. This episode is brought to you by Podcast Assist, offering voiceovers, audio editing and mastering, transcriptions and show notes, episode summaries, and even hosting a podcast on a topic important to you. Visit Facebook.com slash Podcast Assist for more info on their flat $30 per hour rate. Talk radio, music, and podcasts from the Korean Peninsula. KoreaFM.net.